It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. And here's a prayer that I ask you to pray with me. Father, we just pray today that you'll speak to me. That you'll open my heart and you'll open my mind. And Father, I'll absorb the message you have for me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and just give him a hug. Just tell him, hey, good to see you. If you're by yourself, just just reach over and hug yourself if you're by yourself. You can do that. Now, don't hit each other. Just, just hug each other. I'm going to start a new series uh, next Sunday entitled Chase the Lion. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the new year and what God would want us to do based on where we are starting a new year, 2018. But I want to show a video to you of a little promo video of our series. Mark Batterson preaches in the Washington, D.C. area. A tremendous preacher and writer. And uh, he's written a book called Chase the Lion. And I would encourage you to get a copy of that book as we do this series over the next three weeks. And, um, well, let me just let you watch the video and it'll get us ready for next week. Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and author of Chase the Line. Next weekend, you begin a brand new series. So excited about partnering with your pastor and your church. Uh, here's the bottom line. When the image of a man-eating beast travels through the optic nerve and into the visual cortex of the brain, the brain sends one message, run. But lion chasers aren't wired that way. Lion chasers run to the roar. Uh, there's an amazing verse in 2 Samuel 23:20 about a man named Beniah who chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed it. Are you running away from what you're afraid of? Or are you running to the roar? I want to challenge you to chase after the 500-pound dreams that God has given you. And so next weekend, as you begin this series, I want to encourage you to uh, to be here and to maybe even invite a friend to come with you. I'll be praying for you during this series. God bless. It's going to be good. You need to come. And, uh, and start to be a lion chaser. Isn't that a great phrase, a lion chaser? Run to the roar. That'll be the first message. Run to the roar. And uh, the story of Benaiah is amazing. So I think you'll enjoy the series and grow from it and be encouraged by it. But today I want us to look in Philippians chapter 3. So those Bibles you have with you or electronic device with your Bible. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. It's going to be in verses 12 through 16. have a message outline for you in the bulletin. You could use that. Follow along. Um, Several have asked over the years, why do you put out an outline like that? 85% of the people who write down and fill in blanks will remember more what was said than if you don't do it at all. If you try to work on your memory, by the time you get to the door, you're done. You, you forgot everything that was said. But if you write it down, the key is you can go back and look it over again. So I hope that during your 
quiet time this week that you'll rehash this message and you'll go back through it. You'll ask God to prompt you. You'll ask God to do some things in your heart, in your life. 2018 can be the greatest year of your spiritual life. Depends on you. 2018 can be the best year this church has ever seen. But it depends on you and me. Amen? But I'm telling you, don't look down. Don't look back. Don't be discouraged because God is still on the throne. He's never gotten down off the throne. Nothing new, nothing ever surprises God. (laughs) He doesn't get up one day and go, I've never thought of that before. He never has. So any problem that you have, any problem that you and I struggle with, guess what? He already knows the answer. Already has the answer. He can handle it. Even if you're mad and angry and frustrated and you want to scream and kick and beat down the door, God understands that emotion. And it's okay. But today I want to look at Philippians 3, 12-16. Let's pick it up at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Verse 16. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. I love Philippians. I love chapter 3. I love it because we're being challenged to inventory our life. And we ought to be doing an end of the year inventory. Business owners are busy at the end of every year doing inventory. It's a painful but necessary reality so they can know if they made a profit or not. How many of you are in a type of business where you have to take inventory? Fun, isn't it? (laughs) You count all the pencils. We've already counted the pencils. Count them again. We should have 1,400 pencils. How many did you find? 1,398. Count them again. Silly. But you got to do it. It's a necessary evil, so to speak. They take that information they receive, and they make adjustments for the coming year, depending on where you are with your profit or loss. And you know churches do the same thing. We're not a business, but we have to practice business principles. We're a faith-driven organization. Faith in God will provide through His people. Now there's the catch. (laughs) It's through His people. And if God's people aren't tuned in to what their responsibility and role is in the process of God... Churches can be in trouble. 
And as Christians, we need to stop at the end of the year and measure our progress. Sometime, sometimes it's very painful to do that. But it's a necessary thing for us to do. And so today I want to challenge you to take an inventory. Paul in these verses is taking inventory of his life. And here in Philippians 3. And that's what I want us to do. First, I want us to look at our past. And the first part of that is to simply look. We need to look. There it is. Come bouncing in. Paul was grabbed hold of by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus actually stopped him in his tracks, saved him, and then sends him on his life mission. Several years had passed from the Damascus Road conversion to the time he wrote this in Philippians. He's confessing that he's not arrived spiritually. I don't know anybody that would be more arrived than Paul spiritually. He wrote most of the New Testament. Spoke to kings, to poor people, was responsible for many, many, many churches being started, and thus many, many, many people coming to salvation in Christ. But he says, I've not arrived yet. And really, it does us good to look back at the moment of our conversion. Do you remember when that happened? For me, it was January 31st, 1970, 10.30 on a Saturday morning, because I didn't want to go in front of people at church on Sunday morning, because I was nervous about being in front of people to do anything. Now look what I do, and what I've been doing for all of my adult life. God has a really interesting way to get us to do things that He needs us to do when we're not really thinking we're prepared to do it. So Paul, just reminiscing, it's good for us to do that. Take from the time of our conversion, where are we now, today, January 7th, 2018, where are we in that growing process, in that sanctifying process? You've ever heard that word sanctification? Big Bible words, hard to understand. What does it mean? It means that you're in the process of becoming more like Christ and less like you. Well, I don't like that. Too bad. That's part of the process, you see. When you get married, didn't you think it was going to be just hunky-dory, there we go? Sex every night, here we go, it's going to be great. I've been holding myself for sex until I get married, man. Here we go. How's that work out for you? As Dr. Phil says. Boy, when I get married, she's going to cook me everything I love to eat, and she's going to do it all the time because... I mean, look at that eating out bill you got. Where are you on the growth spectrum from when you were converted to Christ to today? Are you any stronger? Is your faith increased at all? Do you know any more scripture than you did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago? 
I read where two monks were in a thunderstorm when they came to a swollen river. There was a Japanese woman there in her kimono who needed to cross the river but was afraid. So one of the monks asked her, can I help you? And she told him that she needed to cross the river. The monk picked her up, put her on his shoulders and carried her across the river, sat her down on the other side. The two monks continued their journey onto the monastery. And one monk said to the other, I have a bone to pick with you. As monks, we are not to look at, look at or touch a woman. Yet you did. The other monk looks and he says, My brother, I helped that woman across the river and put her down on the other side. But you are still carrying her in your mind. Ouch. Ouch. Number two. We need to learn. We need to look. We need to learn. Good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> you can't learn anything unless you screw up. Raise your hands if you screwed up in life. Come on, I see every hand now. Come on. Now, I know some of you are perfect in there, but we were. I understand. See, we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. I made some this morning before church started. Any of you guys? Okay. I thought I had the only one. (laughs) We've made mistakes. We've made them in our past. Hopefully we've learned from those mistakes. It's the foolish person who keeps doing the same things over again, over again, thinking that they're going to get different results. It isn't going to change. you got to do something different and something new. My blood pressure has been tracking high. So I'm asking the doctor, do I need to take more medicine? The doctor says, anything changed in your life? I said, well, I haven't worked out now in about six months. <laughs> she looked at me and said, there it is. I thought, come on, can't we just medicate this thing? And that way I don't have to go really work out. I mean, it's time to go work out again. I've used the foot excuse long enough. I went by the gym, talked to my trainer at the gym and said, hey, here's the situation. Here's where I'm. I thought he'd really be... Hey, man, don't rush to get back. I love it. He goes, oh, we can handle that. <laughs> I said, I can't stand and with weight up like this over my head standing because of Charcot disease in my feet. He said, oh, no problem. We'll just set you down. He had an excuse. He had an answer for every excuse I brought up. The only thing he can't do is make my car drive in there, get out, and go inside. <laughs> That's the only thing he can't do. Somehow I've got to start that system process again. I used to never miss. Loved it. But now it's been a six month, you know, and you make all kinds of excuses, right? But when the blood pressure keeps tracking up, doctors get really excited when your blood pressure gets higher than it should be. Paul said, I'm not perfect. I am not where the Lord wants me to be. I love that, don't you? He, Apostle Paul, not attained it yet. I'm not there. I'm not perfect. I'm still striving. That's where all of us should be in our walk with Christ. 2018 should be the best spiritual growing year you've ever had. And it can be if you decide to make so. Maybe you said, well, I'm going to start tithing this year. You know, 10% tithing is, is the beginning ground in God's Word. 
You know, I always tell you that, you know, if you can't do that, do 1%. You know, I need to quit telling you that. I want you to start at 10%. That's where you start. And then, and then become generous. And then become extravagant. R.A. Letourneau, East Texas, gave 90% of what he earned and lived on 10%. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders, lived on 10%, gave 90%. J.C. Penney, lived on 10%, gave 90%. Wow. Think you could do that? You won't know until you talk to God about it, right? Oh, you might have to cut a few things out. You might have to make some lifestyle changes, but wouldn't it be just an awesome place to be that I'm an extravagant giver like that? Wow. But 2018 could be that year where you really break through spiritually and watch God bring blessings into your life that you have no idea are ready to come. Number three. You got look and leave, and then number three, I mean, look and learn, then you, then you leave. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Don't steal off forgiven sins. If you're forgiven, move. Move on. Let it go. It's a great song about that. Let it go, let it go. Let it go. Don't hang on to it. It wasn't easy for Paul to do. As a spiritual man, as he was growing deeper with God, don't you think he thought about all those hundreds of people that he had put in prison, that he had killed for their faith? Prior to the Damascus Road, he thought he was doing God's will. There are people in this church who have skeletons in their closet. Oh, glory be. Preacher had a counseling session once with a mother who had aborted her baby years earlier. She explained that she had two children at the time and just didn't think that she could raise a third child. But she saw a little girl who would have been about the same age as the child she aborted, and it was... Eating her alive. Preacher assured her that what she did was wrong. It was sin. But only the only thing that she could do about that sin was to repent of it and then to seek forgiveness from the Lord. And when she received that forgiveness, she needed then to move on in her life. Don't let those past sins, those past indiscretions, those past bad judgments haunt you. The Holy Spirit released you from that. The shackle of those past sins needs to be broken forever and let it go. I'll wait for the amen. Don't dwell on your problems. If there, if there are unresolved issues you have with somebody, seek reconciliation. Amen. As best you can, get it handled and taken care of and out of the way. It's what the Bible tells us to do. And there's no doubt in my mind that some of you are carrying grudges into this new year. They're like grave clothes. The grave clothes that were in Lazarus. When Jesus brought him back to life, he was still bound up in clothes that you put on dead people. 
If he had never taken those clothes off, he'd still be bound by death. But Jesus breathed life into him again. Restored him. Don't him on former victories. I'm sure that we all have some successes this year, and we'll have them. Thank God for them and let them go. Some people live on their press clippings. They think they're all that. Then the second main thing I want you to see is, I want you to deal with the past, but also the present. Number one, we're to concentrate. Paul says, this one thing I do. See, he was becoming focused. We might say, well, there's 40 things that I dabble in. No, no, no. This one thing I do. The Christian life should be your priority. Do you have that daily Bible reading time? Do you have that daily prayer time? Do you have that time when you're fellowshipping with other believers? And then are you giving away the freedom in Christ, the message of salvation to people? Number two, we're to abdicate. We have to give some things up to put Christ first. There may be a bunch of friends you're hanging around that aren't really the best for you. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Well, it's not that simple. Yeah, it is that simple. Get rid of them. Because Christ should be more to you than those friends who are pulling you away from God in the church. Maybe you need to change jobs. Literally change jobs. I mean, you know, I know they're hard to find. I got it. But they're tearing you down. They're pulling you back. And then thirdly, we are to navigate. We're to put on a full court press. We are to go all out running the race. I watched the other night the... uh, U.S. National Skating, Ice Skating Championships. What's going on? Man, those people are amazing, aren't they? The strength they, I mean, they're just little bitty people, but more the strength. They'll jump and do these circles and all that stuff in the air and then try to come down on a little thin blade and not fall down. It's amazing. Amazing. And then what if they decide, eh, I'm just not going to practice today. Eh, I don't skip. They're never going to make it to the championship. And the top three in that championship, the winner, runner-up, and the third place, they get to go to the Olympics. <laughs> what about all those other skaters that skated? Weren't they good enough? Nope. They didn't practice those disciplines like the other three did. It's that simple. So our past, our present... And then thirdly, we need to look at the future. Number one, we have a high calling. You and I have a high calling. We've been called from sin to salvation, from death to life. We have been strangers and now we're invited to be in the family. We've been wanderers and now we've become witnesses. We're in. We should be acting like we're in. There's no higher calling than the calling of God in your life. In Ephesians chapter uh, 1, it talks about all the blessings of being a believer. Then he goes on, I believe it's in chapter 4, when he says, Be worthy of the calling to which you've been called. In other words, is it obvious that you're a Christian? Years ago I heard this said, If you were arrested for being a Christian, could they find enough evidence to convict you? 
Number two, we have a holy calling. Second Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. In order to be in God's presence, you've got to be at a level of holiness that most of us aren't at. We don't even talk and preach and, and, and even teach about holiness because most of us struggle with it, period. Clean hands, pure hearts. The world is tainting us and we allow it to do that. But you could stop it. You could stop it. The doctor told me a few weeks ago, he said, I really think you need that bariatric surgery. And I said, Doc, I'd love to have that if you're going to pay the $40,000 to have it done. He said, well, your insurance should cover that. I said, well, maybe they should, but they won't. But let me ask you another question, Doc. If I have this surgery done and I haven't changed how I think about food, what's going to happen? It's going to reverse itself. I've dieted all my adult life. I've been on every diet you could think of. I've done all the protein. I've done just, you know, low fat. I've done low carb. I've done Weight Watchers. I've done uh, Scarsdale diet, I think it was. I can't remember. Crazy name. You know, I've done, I've done the grapefruit diet where you just eat all kinds of grapefruit. Went to a, a food market and bought this bag full of grapefruits in college. And I just eat them. Crazy. Supposed to just burn the fat off. But until I made a change up here, and I made the change here, and I lost the first 60 pounds. That seemed easy to me. I've kept it off for over two, over three years now. Pretty good. But I still need another 50. So would you pray for me this year that I lose that 50? Don't come up and beat me to death. I was hungry again. Don't you? Just pray for me. Just pray for me. If we can get that next 50, if I can get that next 50, when I get that next 50, there's the better phrase to say, right? When I get to the next 50, I'm going to dance with my wife. Sharko feet and all. And it'll be fun. Come out from among them, he says. God's given us a path to follow in 2018, and it's a holy path. Thirdly, we have a heavenly calling. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, our, our memory verse. Let me read it again. Wherefore, seeing we are all encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does easily uh, beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Powerful verses of Scripture. A man named Robert Hastings wrote a book called The Station, and in it he shared this. Tucked away in our subconscious minds is an idyllic vision in which we see ourselves on a long journey that spans an entire continent. We're traveling by train from the windows we drink in the passing scenes of cars on nearby highways, children waving at crossings, of cattle grazing in distant pastures, of smoke pouring from plants, of row upon row of cotton and corn and wheat, of flatlands and valleys, of city skylines and village halls. 
But uppermost in our minds is our final destination. For a certain hour and on a given day, our train will finally pull into the station with bells ringing, flags waving, and bands playing. And once that day comes, so many wonderful dreams will come true. So restlessly we pace the aisles and count the miles, peering ahead, waiting, waiting, waiting for the station. Yes, and when we reach the station, that'll be it. We promise ourselves, when we're 18, we're going to win that that promotion. We put the last kid through college. We buy that 450 SL Mercedes Benz. We pay off the mortgage. We have a nest egg for retirement. When we get those things, then, boy, I'm going to come to the Lord in full force. And once we've attained these things, from then on we're going to live happily ever after. But sooner or later, we must realize there's no station in this life. No one earthly place to arrive at once for all. The journey is the joy. The station is an illusion. It constantly outdistances us. Yesterday's a memory, tomorrow's a dream. Yesterday belongs to history, tomorrow belongs to God. Yesterday's a fading sunset, tomorrow's a faint sunrise. Only today is there light enough to live and to love. So gently close the door on yesterday and throw the key away. It isn't the burdens of today that drive men mad, but rather the regret over yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. Relish the moment. It's a good mo- good motto. Especially when it's accompanied with Psalm 118 and verse 24 that says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some stop pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Instead, swim more rivers. Climb more mountains. Kiss more babies, count more stars. When my wife said, we're going to go on a trip, a cruise to Hawaii, and it's going to be 15 days, I just looked at her and I thought, have you lost your mind? I get nervous in places I've never been. I get really nervous. And that boat we were on, we were on it for four days going and four days coming back. The scenery never changed. I don't know why we had a balcony balcony room. What are we going to watch? Water, water, and more water. But we had such a blessed time together. The Wilsons and the Duarts went with us. And it was just such a special trip. You know, one of those once-in-a-lifetime trips. Things in Hawaii, oh my gracious. What a beautiful place. And what everybody says it looks like, they're right. It does. But I cherished the time with friend friends and my wife those were the fun times 
watching Tina and Corey sing. You know, Corey sings. sings pretty well. They're karaoke nuts. Boy, they get up there and just let it rip tater chip. We need to go barefoot more often. We need to eat more ice cream. Sugar free. Can't have butter brickle. That's of the devil. We need to ride more merry-go-rounds. Watch more sunsets. We renewed our vows on Charlie Young Beach in Maui at sunset. And the preacher that was doing the ceremony for us, he said, watch it because once it goes down below the ocean, he said, sometimes you can see a light pop up. We didn't, but that sounded fun. And we stood there and watched till it disappeared. Life must be lived. Let's get about the business of living. Amen? And making God an important part of that living. Pray with me, would you please? Father, I thank you for this morning and these that are here. I pray that you will um, truly move among us and that you'll touch our hearts and our life. Father, today, today may be something sparked in someone's heart to respond to you. I pray that they would. Maybe they need prayer. Maybe they need a church home. Maybe they need salvation. They've never received you as their Lord and Savior. I would love to have the opportunity to sit and to teach them more what all those things mean. So would you give them courage to ask? So God, if there's someone, would you touch them and would they respond today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.